but I don't I really don't have any regrets I really don't I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to I've tried my hardest every single time I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all so that for me is enough Hi everybody, welcome back to The Body Surf. I'm James. I'm Jonathan. And this is number 104, mm -hmm. right? Yes. We're here today to recap the WTA tour, which ended a few weeks ago at Fed Cup. I guess the official 2017 season ended, but then there were other tournaments. Yes, the 2018 season just continued on, Belin unabated. Belinda Bentich is your current road or race to Singapore leader. And Taylor Townsend is current, currently in pole position in terms of Zhuhai for next year. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Where to even start with this this season of the WTA? I mean... Well, we're not going to do a linear start-to-finish recap. That's no. entirely too much. So what we did was we solicited listener feedback through Twitter on the Body Serves Twitter account. And we're going to structure the episode through a few questions that we asked and your responses. The responses were great, and I think that they, it helps to kind of form an idea of what some of the major themes are of the season. It helped me see kind of the forest for the trees, putting all these things down on paper. Because, you know, there was a great diversity of responses, but there were also certain things that kept popping up. We also got such a varied set of responses, like you said, and I think that has to do with just how crazy and different this year was mm -hmm. with so many different winners right all across the wta spectrum right and so we got a lot of pressed responses there were some folks who were <laughs> which we appreciate <laughs> who were still in their feelings based on what's happened with their faves this year and that's totally understandable mm -hmm. you do you but being able to look at and sift through those responses helps to frame the season as well for me, when I kind of sat down and, you know, if I was asked to give a paragraph about what the WTA tour was like in 2017, what I initially thought of was all of these accolades that are usually concentrated among two, three, four players were spread around vastly, right? We had players who had incredible February, March, April, and then fell off. We had players who showed up to one tournament and just stunned we had Serena Williams win the Australian Open in one of her most dominating majors ever and then not play again for the rest of the year. We had Muguruza just kill two events and walk away with Player of the Year. Right. Which I think the more we have distance from that and this season, we'll be able to see that that really maybe wasn't the right decision. We'll talk more about that <laughs> at the end of the show. Okay. I think probably more... In, at least in my lifetime of watching women's tennis, this is the most varied list of winners. And if you think about kind of the top most important tournaments in the tour, there's the four majors, and then there's nine Premier Five and Premier Mandatory titles. So that's 13 large tournaments were won by nine different players. And then the sort of fifth major, the year-end championships, was won by a tenth player. Caroline Wozniacki. And that doesn't I even... Be, I think you'll be getting a cease and desist from Indian Wells with that fifth major. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I rebuke their 
their feeling that they're the fifth major. And so that's 10 players. That's not even mentioning Karolina Pliskova, who didn't win one of those top 13, but won a few premier tournaments, reached number one this year. And then, I mean, like the list goes on. Then you have Kiki Mladenovic, who reached two big-time clay finals, the semifinals of Indian Wells, which I forgot about, actually. She beat Sharapova in Stuttgart. Right. Which was a huge feather in her cap. What? <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be kind of the memory of her season for a lot of people. The memory of her season is just a lot of messiness. <laughs> General success early yes. in the season, but it'll be remembered for a lot of messiness. Yeah, I, I, think. I think her her mean-spiritedness will overshadow uh, really some of the excellent tennis that she played this year, unfortunately. It wasn't just having the most to say with Sharapova, which is her right, but also with the Caroline Garcia Fed Cup stuff as well. Yeah, and she really came out looking looking the worse for that one. That's something we've covered before. Right. You can listen to more in-depth uh, talk about that on previous episodes, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that at least mm-hmm. in combination with recapping her year on the court. I mean, so aside from those 10 players who won the biggest tournaments, there's also Madison Keys, winner of Stanford, U.S. Open finalist. There's Petra Kvitova making her comeback, Birmingham champion. There, who, Yulia Gerges, who ended her year in an incredible way, winning Moscow and Zhuhai. Colleen Vandeweghe made two Grand Slam semifinals and, uh, what, another quarter? One thing that struck that stuck with me as well in looking back through this season is, yes, there are a lot of different winners and people putting their hand up at different times, but we saw players being able to capitalize on sustained runs of good form. Mm-hmm. And so we had Madison and Sloan through the hard courts. We had Kiki playing well on the clay court season. We had... Well, Ostapenko winning the French mm-hmm. and and insisting, continuing to insist that she belongs in the top 10, reaching the Wimbledon quarterfinals, winning another title in the fall, just playing well all throughout, qualifying for the year-end championships. You know, she wanted us to know that that was not a fluke. And we also had very few players playing well at the big tournaments all year long. Right. And that's where Venus Williams leads the pack, because she made the final in Australia, made the second week at the French, final again at Wimbledon, semis at the U.S. Open, and finals at Singapore. Mm -hmm. That's really what put her at the top of the prize money list this Mm -hmm. year. But then the other person who had consistently good results in the big events all year was Colleen. Yeah. And then, I I mean, she won Fed Cup almost single-handedly. Mm-hmm. In the last tournament of the year. So, you know, you have to give her props for that. And then Garcia and Gerges at the back end of the season. Mm -hmm. Playing well from week to week to week and then capping it with a nice little result. Right. So, I mean, we've belabored this point that so many different players, probably 20 different players, have made huge splashes this year in the absence of the dominant one. What do we take from that? You know, does this... Does this say something about where women's tennis is going in the next few years, do you think? I, I just rebuke that line of questioning at this point. Wow. It's not, it's not personal. I think this year should have taught us that we should just take it as it comes. Your top players, Serena, could be pregnant. And she'll be out for a while. 
that happened with Vika before. Vika comes back and then she's in the midst of this just belabored, drawn out, messy custody situation. Mm -hmm. You have Petra being away for months because she was the victim of a a vicious attack. Mm -hmm. You never know what's going to happen that's going to take your big stars off the tour. And what we've seen and what we can take from this year, to my mind, is the product is not going to suffer. Because there's going to be endless numbers of storylines. And what's been good on the WTA this year is that we've had the women on the lower tiers step up and put their Mm -hmm. hand up. Which we haven't seen on the men's side. Right. And you have noted here that by comparison with the, the top tournaments on the men's side, five players won the four majors and the nine masters. Right. And the three players who are not Roger and Rafa won only one of those. Rafa and Roger won multiple. And to that end, we'll talk about this question later on, but we had asked what was your favorite breakout of the year. And Anna Marseille wrote to us and said, maybe this is the right answer to the wrong question, but after the 87th year of Fed Nadal dominance (laughs) on the ATP side, I'm just thankful for WTA players like Ostapenko and Stevens who show up to slams and play like they own the fucking place. (laughs) This is where I was trying to kind of lead you with my previous question to Adam's response, Mm -hmm. because I think it's perfect. And I think when you mentioned that the WTA is producing a consistent product, that doesn't mean that the tour knows how to package it properly, but the the workers, (laughs) the players, are still out here giving you a product week in and week out. Whether or not the WTA can capitalize on that, that's a, that's a different story. But I like what Anna said because women's tennis players are showing us something different and are showing that they really want to be there. They're not afraid of the top players. And while this is not an ATP show, it is the perfect read of the ATP tour <laughs> as well because what we saw this year was an aging yet still great Fadal. Yeah that probably should have been pushed more by some of the lower-ranked players. And not even just the lower-ranked players, players in the top 10. Right. And that didn't happen. There were a few players who kind of back-ended into top 10 spots. Jack Sock. Mm. (laughs) You know, but uh, on the women's side, where they've been getting bashed for years for the supposedly lack of consistency and lack of top-tier stars performing, they really showed out this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Shall we get into our favorite moments of the year? Yes. Or our readers' favorite moments? Well, we're going to tell, say, ours first For, as Oh, well. we are? Uh-huh. Oh, shit, I don't know if I'm ready. I have two. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Everything about Venus Williams' Australian Open. Her year in general, mm-hmm. yes. While it's still yeah, painful that she didn't win one of her mm-hmm. big titles that she put herself in position to win... But if you remember, if you're a Venus fan, the year starts and after she wins her first or second round match, she's on court with Sam Smith, I believe, and she asks her, how is it that you're beating these young players? And she takes a breath and then she smiles and she says, girl, I don't know. (laughs) And from that on-court press moment, right throughout the rest of that tournament, she set the tone for just a stunning year in her 36, 37 year Mm -hmm. you know and she goes on to play the final against serena doesn't win but everything on court at that tournament was so wonderful her reaction to beating coco vanderway in the semifinals uh, i mean that those gifs 
will live on forever. A thank you to Dima Ayash, who sent us a, a basically a gif storm of that Venus celebration. It made me relive it all over again. And my second favorite moment of the year would be Francesca Schiavone winning Bogota. Mm. You have that in common with somebody. Who told us that? That was a part of a, a, a favorite tournament section. Oh, that was Anna Marseille, too? Mm-hmm. Is it, it's my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. Okay, so I think my favorite moments of the year are venus's celebration after reaching the final in australia and i think okay cut the bullshit your what? first favorite moment is serena winning the australian open no excuse not... me can let me talk okay if you're not going to believe me that i'm just not going to share <laughs> no that's something that really stayed with me for the entire year okay because venus had a difficult year off the court and she said over and over in her interviews in australia that I like my job. That's why I'm still out here. That's that's why I can still do this at age 36, right? And then she wants and to then win. And 37. Right. And she believes she can win. She's not happy just playing. She wants to win. And so to see that sort of girlish, jubilant celebration, like uncontrollable, was something that really stuck with me once Venus suffered some really bad setbacks in her personal life and still managed to get herself out there and play really well through those things because she likes her job like it carried her through this is one of the things that i wanted to make sure to mention on this episode in recapping the year yes venus didn't win the big tournament but pretty much at every turn in those big moments she was met with some serious shit Mm -hmm. that she had to be dealing with in her personal life that we weren't privy to until after the fact so while some of us may have been out here in these twitter streets you know, saying some unfavorable things to Venus not being able to pull through in the big moments. Mm -hmm. She was going through it. Right. She was playing her sister after all these years in a Grand Slam final with the knowledge that Serena was carrying her niece or nephew across Mm -hmm. the side of the net at the same time, right? (laughs) And then she has the the fatal car accident, which is still ongoing, Mm -hmm. that she had to deal with at Wimbledon. Weeks after that happened in the press got wind of it, that that now infamous scene where Venus is breaking down in Wimbledon mm-hmm. press, then move on to the US Open, where this is like weeks afterward, maybe even a couple months afterward, we find out that shortly before her semifinal against Sloane Stevens, she had been the victim of a $400,000 burglary oh, right. at her house. I don't even think we've mentioned that on the show. No. That's crazy. So that brings me to my other top moment of 2017 was Venus beating Petra in the U.S. Open. Okay. See, none of them, neither of them included Serena. And neither was neither was Petty. Exactly. Because you threatened to get exactly. very messy before coming to mm-hmm. air. So let me tell you why I like Venus and Petra. The matchup is gold to me. I, I would watch it every day in every tournament. I think it it would be too emotionally and physically taxing for me and probably for Venus and Petra to meet often (laughs) but just the athleticism from both players the accuracy the the mental toughness from both was was amazing and uh man it was it was a ride i felt like i was gonna throw up almost the entire time but to see venus pull that out was just such a great reward if we were to get a little bit petty though obviously venus beating coco oh yeah at the australian yeah yeah top first rate top Mm -hmm. notch the go-to moment. I mean, really, my favorite moment of the year was 
hearing Sarah Arani's Tortellini story for the first time <laughs> because it was so ridiculous. You were late to that story too. Yeah. And I always, I always say when a doping story comes out, like no matter how hard the evidence is, everyone has a story. There will always be some ridiculous fictional explanation. And I, the, man, this one like really took the cake. Speaking of some petty responses, we can always trust Brie at For the Tennis to get us started with the pettiness. We sure can, yeah. She says, Serena and Venus dragging all the belief out of Kanta at her two best majors. <laughs> now, I I will take a slight issue with uh, Wimbledon being one of Kanta's best majors, because that mm. wasn't the case until this year. So, okay, fine. But I see you, Brie. And to that end, Anna Marseille says... Every match that Pova lost and the denied wild card for the French Open. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we see you too. And then Brie responds to that and says, the WTA revenge on Clay Pova was Christmas come early. <laughs> <laughs> and that really shut me up too, because, you know, I was very fatalistic about the Clay season. I said, Sharapova's back. Wow, she's probably going to yeah, win Stuttgart. Yeah, you said she's going to win Stuttgart, the French Open, right. all of them. And it's just something that we're going to have to endure. But a few people just stepped up and, and silenced her. Mladenovic took it upon herself. The same with Eugenie Bouchard. Really, the only notable thing she's done in the past like three years was talk a lot of shit and then back it up on the court. And she didn't do that again for the rest of the it's year. safe to say that will be the only mention of Jeannie Bouchard on yes, this episode. That's the Canadian in, content. <laughs> in keeping with her year. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so let's talk about Kanta. That's one of the moments here. Joanna Kanta's Wimbledon. She put in two basically classics in one tournament. Uh, she played Vekic in, what, the second round? Mm-hmm. An amazing match. That match against Halep, again, classic pulled it out. I know Joanna Conta doesn't get a lot of respect in these parts. Not on the body serve, but on tennis Twitter. Yeah, we have lots of respect right. for Jo Conta. But I I think like she she's showing that she's the real deal, that she's she deserves to be here. Yeah, she I mean she almost got her head taken off by a Venus serve. And I don't know. I mean her form in Australia especially was was pretty fearsome. Do you remember everybody was saying that, that Serena would win, but I was like, oh, it's just not a match I was looking forward to. Well, this is where this shade and messiness is coming from Brie and a lot of Serena fans, because before that tournament and heading into the second week, the way that was shaping up, folks were saying, well, wow, Serena's going to have her hands full and Joe right. could really pull that off because she'd played well. Her big breakthrough at a slam came at the Australian Open previously. Yes. And Against Venus, right? Oh, that was like two years prior. Two years prior. Yeah. And and so her hardcore pedigree was known. And folks were saying, oh, she has the best serve. And of course, when people say that, you know, Serena fans are like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, you say yeah. who has the best serve now? Uh-huh. As is the case, whenever Serena claps back and silences somebody, the, the, the stands and the fans just run with that and be messy for the, the entire year and career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That Jokanta moment came from Parapet Nick at Parapet Nick. I, I hope that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> Parapet Nick. Best of forehand puts forth Mirjana Lucic Baroni's run to the Australian Open semi final, which feels like forever ago at this point. It almost feels like it happened in 2016. It really does. Yeah. I mean, that was an incredible, just an incredible performance from her. It was so exciting to watch, and she unfortunately suffered from injuries 
throughout the spring and summer and didn't really get that form back. But she did sit down with the body servant, Charleston, she sure which did. is one of the highlights of our three seasons. Mm-hmm. So thank you to her. The biggest moment, the most popular one we heard was definitely Petra's comeback. I think there were, it was evenly split between Petra's comeback and Venus's Australian Open. Yeah, the Australian Open in general. Yes. Was a, I mean, people really loved that tournament. So did I. You you can't really argue with Petra's comeback as as the tennis story of 2017. It's, I, I was shocked by how quickly she came back, how skilled the surgeon is. <laughs> Because remember, we saw that happen around Christmas last year, right in 2016, mm-hmm. the the attack. And uh, I mean, it just looks so bleak. But she was so positive from from the jump, from within days of it happening. A development has happened, which is not a very great one. Czech police have decided to drop the investigation after saying that they've made no progress in the past year, which I, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know the details, but like... That just that just has to be terrifying for Petra in the town where she lives. You know, you have to be looking over your shoulder at all times, right? Like this person could be out there at bars and restaurants that you go to at the supermarket. Like, I just don't understand how there could be no evidence, no leads at all. But back to being more positive. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's it's news since we last went to air, so it, it has is, to be mentioned. But the the part about Petra's story that was most heartwarming was her comeback and Danny Lane Dees posits that watching Petra walk onto Philippe Chatre was her moment of the year mm, yeah and remember we weren't even sure that that was going to happen it, it kind of happened at the last minute it's not like she had targeted the French Open and said two months before I'm going to be back it was like well Petra might be play- what she's on the <laughs> entry list uh-huh. and then there she is on the first morning I believe on Philippe Chatry and, yeah. and Petra's back. I was shocked to see her. And it was just a wonderful moment. She goes on to win, what is it, Birmingham she goes on yeah. to win? Yeah, It doesn't have the best of results the rest of the year. She has that great match against Venus at the US Open. But we get stories about her not being able to, to really grip the racket fully yet mm-hmm. with her left hand. Right, which not is, being able to uh, pump her fist properly. Yeah. And that she was able to achieve all of that this year, in spite of those limitations and everything that happened to her, speaks volumes about her as a person, her resilience, her determination, and she truly is an inspiration. So the other big moment, like you mentioned, Serena and Venus in the Australian Open final, another Grand Slam final after all these years, it was highly unlikely but, you know, we had no idea that Venus would be the one who would reach another Grand Slam final, would reach the WTA finals final. Uh, you know, she was the consistent performer in the big tournaments, like you mentioned. Man, it was a shock when it happened because both sisters were in the second week and people were saying, could this really, ha- could the Williams sisters and Fidal make the final, all of them together? And I was like, no, like it's, that's a dream, but, but no. Molly Tiger, who we met in Cincinnati, she says that Venus and Serena being in the Australian Open final together, and if that wasn't enough, we learn later that baby Olympia was also on court with them. (laughs) That was her moment of the year. That's so sweet. It's also a little annoying for Venus because she's back where she belongs in Grand Slam finals, and how is she supposed to beat on her sister with her 110% when she knows her sister is pregnant and nobody else knows? 
not saying that i mean venus gave all of her effort but you know is there something in the back of your mind wishing the best for your little sister especially since she's carrying a child a bunch of people put that forth as their favorite moment we heard from tony uh tjc05 Mm-hmm. We heard from him many times, pretty much to answer Serena to every question that we did. Mm-hmm. We can always <laughs> rely on him for that. Uh, we also got that as a response from Michael Lewis, from Francois Lambert, from Our Angel, from Shannon Clark. It was a very popular uh, response. Mm-hmm. The Australian Open was the runaway favorite for best tournament of the year as well. Oh, yeah. In the later, later uh, question. But it was that kind of throwback nostalgia that was all over that tournament, be it the Williams sisters, Fadal, Miriana Lucis Baroni, all these feel-good stories that kicked off the season in, in grand fashion. Mm. And I mean, the second major was no slouch either. <laughs> Ostapenko's run, I mean, it was amazing in the moment. It's even more impressive looking back. Looking at the scores, <laughs> she was down a set in four matches. Uh, I, I don't even know how that happened. In the first round, she was down a set. She lost the first set. Just the way that she announced herself, especially the way she pulled out that final, is just something that that will go down in the history books for me. I had seen her previously in Charleston and looking good that week before she loses to Kazetkina in the final. And you spoke at length about how disgusted you were with her. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's so rude and (laughs) and continues to do to be. (laughs) But then lo and behold, a few weeks later, she's hoisting the French Open trophy after really inflicting just another dire moment on Simona Halep in that final. And there were more to come Mm -hmm. in 2017. That was, was that the first time Simona was playing for the number one ranking? Simona played for the number one ranking multiple times this year. That was the first time. And she also was within three games of her first Grand Slam title. Back in the French Open final after losing to Sharapova in a three-set thriller Mm -hmm. a couple of years prior. And she was the odds-on favorite to win that match, easily. And I mean, when you're up a set and three love against this 19-year-old debutante, no matter how much moxie and chutzpah she has, mm-hmm. that was her moment. I expected her experience to, to get her through. Yeah. I knew that Yelena had had these three-set heroics all week, or uh-huh. all two weeks, but and it I wasn't, was surprised. It wasn't that Simone had played poorly, but she didn't play with the the big moment metal, that go for broke, I'm going to seize my moment type of thing. It, mm-hmm. it was almost as if she was looking to back end, play it safe, and just steer the ship home. Mm. And right as she was attempting to do that, Yelena Ostapenko was like, well, I'm going to take everything that I have right now and just throw the kitchen sink. <laughs> right. And she started hitting lines, winners, flying all over the place. It was inspiring in a totally different sense. From the the feel good stories that we've had, mm-hmm. beat comeback or fairy tale runs or blah 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 blah, this was inspiring in terms of her with her youth, yeah. in spite of or maybe because of her youth, <laughs> being able to seize that moment and go for broke and just snatch that title. Yeah, it's not something that we've seen uh, a lot recently. I don't think for such a young woman to announce herself with that much chutzpah, and that's really her brand, is that she's. Uh, she's kind of a bad girl, right? She's got a little bit of a, a prickly attitude, but there is so much charisma bursting out of that. She's got a little bit of Hingis and Celis in her, for me. Celis, really? She's got the the Hingis bratishness yeah. of youth and Celis's firepower. 
Yeah, for in real. her early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is definitely a, a a brashness about someone like Monica who could decide basically just to destroy the best players with that game. Oh, I love this one. Adam Perugino submitted this one, and I'm so glad. Uh, Garbine's finger wag at the Roland Garros crowd after she lost to Mladenovic. When she was in, leaving the court, right? In a highly dramatic, intense match where the crowd was, I mean, we know how the French crowd can be. They were not great to Garbine. Uh, you know, brought her to tears in the press conference, but she gathered herself and then gathered everybody. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Adam, the fact that you mentioned the finger wag is so perfect to me because that had to be the turning point of Garbine's season, right? Like she walked into Wimbledon and I just had this feeling like I, that something had changed. And when she left her press conference, got herself back together and made that, you know, bitchy comment about Mladenovic, 25 languages yeah. or whatever, it's like something had changed within her. Something is not the same. You know, <laughs> you know where that's from? I'm done with playing by all the yes. rules of someone else's game. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, Garbina at Wimbledon, she just, uh, she flipped a switch. And we saw it at the French in, what, 2016? Like, when she's on, when she's dialed in, there's not many people who can stop her. Well, she was 4-5 down in that first set in the final to Venus. And Venus had her chances... And once it got to five all, that was it. Mm-hmm. Venus didn't win another game. Yeah. I felt very strongly had Venus won the first set, she would have won the title. But we we can't rewrite history. No. I do want to say, though, shout out again to Venus and her wins at Wimbledon. Because if you recall, she beat Naomi Osaka. She beat Ostapenko. Mm-hmm. She beat Joe Conta in one of her best matches of the year. Yes. That was clinical. And again, Conta going into it, was in form, had just put in that great performance against Simona, and then, and also, like, she's the British hope, she has momentum, Mm -hmm. and Venus was just like, nah. Which is exactly what Serena did against Joanna in Australia. It was like, "Mm mm-mm. Maybe it's because a lot of our listeners are are Williams fans that we didn't get a lot of positive Sharapova feedback for this year, in terms of favorite (laughs) moments. But we did get one. Yeah. yeah. And that was from Vitun... I believe Ian Kovan, correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, he said that his highlight was Sharapova defeating Halep in the US Open first round. And I think it's uh, emblematic of just how bleak a season it was for Sharapova fans. <laughs> wow. A bleak uh, two years mm. that this one, this one victory would have been the bright spot. And that's terribly bitchy on my part. It and is. I accept that. And it's not entirely fair because it was a very entertaining match. It, it was. As far as winners and errors, it may not have been a super high quality match, but it was it was definitely gripping. No, but we also know and we lived through the post match oh. interview on court. Do you remember that? Of course I do. And part of that was Sharpova helping to to create and further this narrative that she'd been hard done and that she's coming back and She's overcoming all these obstacles that people have put in her way. And what was it? Something about this girl. Oh, with the Swarovski crystals. Yeah, it was uh, whatever. Nauseating. She Uh, was also 
creating the book narrative, like the 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 marketing narrative mm-hmm. around the book at the same yeah. time. So that was definitely part of it. So for Sharapova fans, that would have definitely been a highlight, absolutely. But for us, it was just a slog of a year dealing with Sharapova news. <laughs> From her impending comeback, we had Rene Denfeld on the show, who was on-site in Stuttgart, telling us about what that was like the first few days of her being back mm. on the WTA tour, what her first practice was like. There was I mean, so much press, so much press and, and spotlight on her just to get her back on on tour right uh, the thing is like obviously this was a big story these are some things about this year that that people will remember moving forward in in 20 years you're going to remember this it's really the first high profile doping ban in women's tennis history she's a superstar she's a five-time major winner uh like it is a big deal it's just that the tenor and the we were one of the few people to kind of fall in the middle on how to view Sharapova. For a lot of folks, it was either she was a devil or she was a saint. Either she was just the absolute worst or somebody who'd been totally hard done. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is that that all being said, of course, it's a big story, but the tenor of the coverage and of the the public relations campaign on her behalf is what was really, really off-putting to me. Mm-hmm. And then we had to live through the book release and the whole, I mean, the slew of interviews where she's asked about Serena, the whole chapter that she wrote about Serena, it just seemed to never end. Yeah. Cher Provo was always in the news this year, beat the wild card, beat the coming back from the doping suspension, beat the book, for all the reasons except for a tennis. Save for that one little tournament that she won. At the end of, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, it's not going to stop. <laughs> no, but, this is going to be another story for 2018 to but watch. But we're not going to fight about wild cards anymore. No, she's she's getting direct entry, and that story's done. And I'm so glad it's over. The U.S. hardcore swing was another big moment for folks. Brie for the tennis. This was probably the highlight of her life. No. Sloane Stevens winning the U.S. Open, and Madison Keys too, who she beat in that final, had a strong hardcore run as well. After struggling to come back from injury earlier in the year. She won Stanford, beating Colleen, her fake friend. She beat Colleen, what, three times in the span of a few weeks? I was all ready for Madison to win the US Open. I didn't read the tea leaves correctly, though, going into the final. I thought that Madison was in better form, but what I didn't fully grasp was the momentum that Sloan was putting together. It's just that the way she came back got to semifinals in Toronto and Cincinnati, beat some really great players, and then the way that she finished the match against Venus, I underestimated how important that was and how nervous Madison was going to be in the final. Talk about a Whitney Houston one moment in time. That was what Sloan did in that semifinal against Venus because Venus threw everything she had at her in that third set. And that backhand down the line at 4-5 will haunt me and still haunts me mm. to this day. Lawanda says, everybody on tennis Twitter knows Lawanda. <laughs> She's right. one of... One of the queens yes. of tennis Twitter. She said of that moment in the final, if you didn't follow tennis, you wouldn't know who won. Love a true friendship. That's very true. Sloan showed a lot of character in the way that she sat down with Madison just made the trophy presentation about her as well and about American women's tennis. It was hard for me to take at the moment because the final was so bad 
and Madison just really didn't show up. But that's not to take anything away from Sloane's great performance. It just it just wasn't a good final, and it hurt me because I like Madison so much. But kudos to Sloane. That was one hell of a comeback. Yeah. Because I yeah. saw her on those crutches in Charleston, and if you had told me this was going to happen, I'd have been like, girl. <laughs> and like, what, uh, not even five months later? <laughs> like, uh, Let's finish this favorite moment section on a petty note, because we are petty people, right? Yeah. Uh, Chris Cross Some more said that others. one of his favorite moments of the year was any match that Coco lost. <laughs> and to that end, Ethan Young says that his favorite moments were Colleen losing to Venus, Colleen losing twice to Rebarikova at Slams, and Colleen losing three times to Madison in a month. Mm-hmm. No, that is the height of pettiness. <laughs> you, sir, Ethan Young, you get a special award for Colleen pettiness mm-hmm. on this year end show. Which, you know, I can relate to. So thank you. And thank uh, you for saying it so I didn't. We have, have to. a new follower of the Body Serve on Twitter, uh, it yeah. seems. Pet Cash. Yeah, after we've uh, <laughs> said many, many, many a bad wow. thing. I hope he doesn't listen. But, well, you know, the reason that Pat Cash follows us that I discovered after is that he has a podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I I have a feeling he went and followed tennis podcasts. Okay. Kind of take take the climate. But if he is to listen and he is to come for us, this is our moment of reckoning. Mm-hmm. We have receipts. We probably deserve it. Mm-hmm. But, but we're ready. We're going to move on to our next question that we pose to our listeners. Which was, what was your favorite breakout season? And we had quite a few this mm-hmm. year. So rather than asking you who is the breakout player of this year, it's more whose breakout season did you enjoy the most? Because there were so many. So, so many. And uh, in keeping with Tony's theme of putting Serena front and center for every answer, <laughs> mm-hmm. he had said that for uh, his favorite moments of the well. To come later on, favorite clutch moment was everything that Serena did in Melbourne, even the practices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he also said that Olympia Williams Ohanian is the breakout star of 2017, <laughs> which, you know, that is somewhat true. She won a Grand Slam in her mama's belly at the Australian mm-hmm. Open, and she then became an internet sensation well. with her Instagram account. So many Twitter accounts were spawned. In her name and the pictures they just keep a coming it was quite an arrival i mean a fetus really has has never been more lauded and beloved uh <laughs> before like since i mean since blue ivy was debuted at the vmas and uh-huh. before that uh, jesus basically well there's, jesus lord there's rock and roll they're pretty pretty famous too and they run in the same circle as blue ivy yeah but no but i mean as a fetus mm, okay fine uh, I will remind you that Rock and Roll did sing for Michelle and Barack Obama at the White House a they few did? years ago. They did. Mariah, very, very pregnant, did her... Uh, her that pre- does not count. It does count, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but there's this Twitter spat that's going on right now as we're, we're recording because Chad is coming for Tony, saying that Serena didn't do anything to warrant any mention this year. And Tony is beckoning for us to shame him on air which we we're not gonna do no because venus fans have suffered enough this year but i will shame tony for repeatedly spelling my name wrong so there's that wow there is tony runs this wonderful website called tennis watchers where you can find where to get a hold of tennis on a week-to-week basis and he has a section there that says uh 
tennis listeners, tennis talkers, I guess, you know, tennis podcasts. And it's spelled wrong there as well. So Tony, please fix that. And on, <laughs> on this tweet that he just sent, he spent, spelt it O-N at the end as well. So uh, Tony, that kind of backfired for you this time, buddy. Still love you. Got wow. nothing but love. If love. you could see my face right now, you're <laughs> the messiest bitch I ever met. I've been watching Jersey Shore. They're they're oh repeating God. season two on MTV Canada. I cannot uh, believe that we're I'm living through this again. We actually used to have watch parties when this happened live. When, when we were in grad we school. We just started grad school and Jersey Shore was new and a bunch of grad students would get together and watch Jersey Shore. Yeah. And you love that shit. Oh my God. I So I was in a media studies program and my my peers and i would actually use jersey shore in our tutorials like for media theory um for political economy of media we used it to explain uh semiotics yeah well in my 34th year i have enough reminders of my age without you reminding me again how old i am in your with, 34th year yeah with jersey so shore old. reruns oh my lord <sighs> okay back to tennis breakout seasons naomi osaka that was Thanks to Mara Lawson, who gave us great answers for every question, actually. Adrian and Mara Lawson put forth Ash Barty. For me, the two that I enjoyed the most were Ash Barty and Carolyn Garcia. For selfish reasons, Garcia I had put forth as my breakout candidate for the year. She delivered, albeit delayed. Right. <laughs> she waited till the end to do it. Better late than never. And then we also sat down with Ash Barty in Cincinnati, and that was wonderful. It was well, one yeah. of the highlights of our year. And you spoke to Naomi in Charleston. That's true. This year. Yeah. And Naomi beat Kerber, what, like three times this year? We had some great interviews this year. <laughs> A lot of it was luck, and thanks uh. to them for sitting down with us. But between Mirjana, Naomi, uh, and Ash Barty, that was... Mm. Uh, that was wow. Oh yeah, and Naomi is working with Sasha Bayan. That yeah. was he re revealed that today on Twitter. So we don't know if he's hitting partner, coach, whatever. But that was his big news that we we mm -hmm. uh, kind of previewed two weeks ago. Um, and Ash Barty, I mean, her breakout was super exciting. She beat Venus at Cincinnati. She won her first title in Kuala Lumpur. I mean, this was really her first full time year back on the tour after her hiatus. Mm -hmm. Previously, her best results had come on grass and she expanded her resume this year. Yeah. All over the place. Has one of the best serves on tour. And for a short girl, that's not easy. And we asked her about this in Cincinnati. One of the more awe-inspiring things that we saw live, as far as live tennis this year, was her playing doubles with Casey on one of the, one of the outer courts in Cincinnati and her closing out that match with four unreturnable serves. Yeah, yeah. Yulia Gerges. She was put forth by Trudy, fabulous end to the season. Yelena Ostapenko, we take for granted that because she's a Grand Slam champion now that, you know, maybe she should be considered in a higher category. Mm. But that that uh, was a big breakthrough. I mean, she broke out. She was, what, uh, ranked like 31 or something? She or? was 19, now she's 20. She's still mm. young. We don't see those types of results from people that young anymore. Right. Kiki Mendenovic. Again, easy to forget because most of her success came from the spring like the winter and spring, but she she really played amazingly well, won St. Petersburg, and then reached two big-time clay finals, had big wins over, like, everybody. Replay Point says that Rabarikova is his favorite breakout of the year, and that's because there's lots to like about Magda's throwback game, mm -hmm. which is something we talked about at Wimbledon. Yeah. But that was such a joy to watch. Vikesh, who is a regular listener of the show... 
He says that Svitolina is his favorite breakout player, and she was the person that you said would be the breakout player of the year for this year. I did, yeah. And uh, hers, again, like Ostapenko, was kind of breakout on another level, mm-hmm. right? Like, we knew who she was. She was top 20. It was... Uh, you could foresee that big things were coming for her, but I didn't realize it was going to be that big. <laughs> Vikesh says that he used to call her basic, <laughs> which is kind of rude, Vikesh. <laughs> But okay. okay. He used to call her basic, but changed his mind after seeing her in these premier final victories. Yeah. And these pictures that are going around from this XXL magazine shoot that she did. Yeah. Far beat for me to comment on like a sexy woman photo shoot. Right. But. And there will be no slut shaming here. No. You get it, girl. Like, you, you've had yourself a year. You enjoy. What is it? The fruit of your spoils? The, the spoils of your fruit? The, uh, I don't know. The mixed metaphor it really <laughs> messed me up. I don't even remember what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Favorite tournament? I mean... Uh, do you want to start with ours? We That's have... what we did with the moment. Okay. You go for it. My favorite tournament was the Australian Open, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Dima Ayash said... It was so great, it was kind of impossible to top through the rest of the year. And while it was an exciting season, uh, nothing really surpassed the Australian Open for me. To quote Dima, she says, The WTA season peaked too early. Everything after that was just downhill, with a few exceptions. Right. Which uh, wasn't it, it wasn't the case for us, per Which, se. hey, pessimism is like my stock and trade, so I appreciate that. Venus kept giving, so I am mm-hmm. still forever thankful. Auckland at Nestil says that it's one of, while it's a, a local tournament and maybe they're biased because of that, the, the fan support, the player support, just the general atmosphere makes it a, a fan favorite for for them. Charleston, Chris DeFusco, and Bree put Charleston as their mm-hmm. favorite tournament of the year. And, you know, I have never been. You went for the first time this year and people who go there absolutely love it. Uh, there, there must be something about the Southern hospitality, uh, the grounds, that just keeps people coming back, right? If I had my pick, I'd just stay on the Althea Gibson court. Mm. All tournament, it's so great. And for those who were big Ostapenko lovers this year, the French Open was a big uh, response as well. Mm -hmm. Chad, CC Smooth, y'all probably know Chad by now. He said that the first six rounds of Australia and Wimbledon were amazing, so it's a tie. And I imagine then that that's because of Venus. He's a big Venus fan. Was able to meet her again at the U.S. Open. And then when he realized that he could put forth uh, uh, answers that were not Grand Slams, we got like 15 other ones. Mm. <laughs> we're going to stick with the Grand Slam <laughs> results here. And our last category, this was my idea. It was It's kind of like an SB category. Clutch, don't they have a clutch moment or best clutch performance or something? Yeah, and I haven't watched the ESPYs in like 10 years since back when, like, it, when it used to be when popular. When it used to be popular. You knew exactly where <laughs> I was going. I really haven't paid attention to Madonna since I was in like 7th or 8th grade and she used to be popular. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear that. So best clutch moment, I asked the followers of the body serve to to chime in here and i had a few of my own ideas and and basically all of them were said (laughs) sloan's like the end of the third set against venus at the u.s open i I mean 
there's there's not much that can top that kind of clutch performance because it you know it was a weird match it was a lopsided match they traded really lopsided sets and it wasn't uh, anything more lopsided you want to talk up. about <laughs> it wasn't uh i mean it was gripping but it wasn't a particularly great match until the third set yeah that third set produced some of the best tennis of the year it, i agree yeah and one of the more heartbreaking parts of Venus's year is that she played some of the best tennis all year long. You think of the great clutch moments, the great, from a pure, wonderful tennis perspective, her last two sets against Coco in Australia, which is my clutch moment of the year, mm. because she had to wheel and come again, find different ways yes. to win that match. And she, she fought her way through it. And then she plays unreal tennis in the third, fourth, and quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Like that mm -hmm. Kanta match is some of the best tennis you'll see all year as well. And again, there's just no big prize to show for it. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, well, it's so frustrating as a fan because she did play that well. And at the US Open, her playing that well wasn't good enough. No. You know? So we have Sloan in that third set against Venus. Truly, some of the most clutch play you'll ever see. Mugruth at Wimbledon, down 4-5 to Venus, Michel Jabour. He says that that's his clutch moment of the year. Which, sure, because after that, it was lights out. There, there was nothing else Venus could do. Meyer Lawson, as well as yourself, say that Venus over Petra was the clutch moment of the year. Mm-hmm. For me. Well, maybe not of the year, but it was like my favorite. Okay. Conta defeating Halep in Wimbledon and Miami. Sam Rippon. That was his response. And every time you think, well, yeah, that one has to be the clutch moment. And then there's another one. There's, again, Ostapenko. Being down a set and three love to Halep at the French Open final. Uh, you could literally pick any one of five just top-notch performances in big moments as your clutch moment of the year and neither of, none of them would be wrong mm -hmm. 2017 saw a few big name players retire from tennis the biggest of these is probably martina hingis that yeah. one came as a bit of a surprise at the end of the year in singapore ekaterina bichkova she's gone kimiko date one of my early favorites she mm -hmm. retired as well vera dushavina Daniela Hantukova, and I want to say a very special farewell to her because so many people were telling her to retire for so long, and she's like, you know what, I'm going to keep playing, which is something that I've always held dear as a like a a guiding principle mm -hmm. as a tennis fan. Like, how dare you tell somebody when they should be retiring? Right. Because re who are you hurting? It, like, exactly. If she wants to play, then let her play. If she wants to be out if she's here, not, if she's not winning, who, like who cares? If she wants to be out here in a challenger and tucson arizona <laughs> right you know let her do it and so she finally hung up her tennis kit this I, year i mean put some respect on the name of that two-time indian wells champion yep and former top five player mm -hmm. liesel uber she retired earlier this year melanie udang kind of a a sad sad tale you know she came to prominence with that fair tale what is it quarterfinal run at the u.s open way back yeah, when yeah yeah and she suffered Beat some big time players mm -hmm, suffered from heart issues in in subsequent years and was never able to 
recapture that glory. I think she peaked in the top 40. But she she certainly tried. She did. Total props for that. You flew by Liesl Uber, which is fine, but she will actually go down in history as one of the best doubles players ever. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just... Uh, how, do I, how do I say this? I mean, I want to end the year on a happy note, but she just has a terrible personality. <laughs> just some really... No, I'm serious. Like, really just shameful... She's known as a cheat. ...low-class moments right? on court. And there's, there's no beating around the bush on that note for me. However... Again, like one of the best doubles players ever. Shahar Pear, happy trails to her. Nadia Petrova. I loved Nadia Petrova. I did too. And I was like hype for her to win the French Open in uh, what was like 2005 or 2006 when she had that great clay season and got injured in the first round of the French. She was somebody who's been off the tour for a couple of years now Mm. and hadn't officially retired and she finally did so this year. And then, new mom, I think she's had her baby, Yarmila Wolf. Mm-hmm. She's retired as well. Formerly Gaidasova and formerly Groff, mm-hmm. now Wolf. And speaking of retirements that uh, turned out to not be retirements, Francesca Schiavone announced on Twitter yesterday that, hey, I'm practicing for the 2018 season. Look, uh, that win in Bogota and her play season got her ranking up to the point where she can benefit from another year of collecting some coin. Yes, maybe she still clearly enjoys playing tennis and wants to play, but that, I imagine, played a big factor in it as well. Mm -hmm. It's a big difference from getting direct entry at 37-38 than grinding it out in challengers all over the world, right? Yeah. But I am thrilled to have her back because she is one of my favorite players. And I was legit sad that she'd be mm. retiring this year. We're going to be watching the Rome tournament. If she doesn't get direct entry and they deny her a wild card again, you know, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> the leaders on tour this year. Most titles, Svitolina, she won five. Big, big number. Five. And mm-hmm. some big tournaments. Most finals, Wozniacki. She only won two tournaments. She won the year-end title. And Tokyo, right? Yes, Tokyo. She defended in Tokyo. But she also made six finals, a lot of them big finals as well. Mm -hmm. Didn't she make back-to-back finals in Dubai and Doha? Am I misremembering? I have no idea. Uh, For a long time in 2017, the narrative surrounding her was, yes, she's coming back. Yes, her ranking is is rising. But she can't get over that. Well, it was always a bridesmaid, right? Yes. And she got those two victories in the Asian swing. So more kudos to her. Mm-hmm. She's now world number three. And a stone's throw from returning to <laughs> really? world number one. Seriously. Really? Like a couple hundred points behind Simona Halep at number one. Yeah. And uh, consider that she was ranked early 70s before the 2016 US Open. To think that come mid-January, end of January 2018, she'd be back at number one. That's a hell of a turnaround. Mm. Prize money, Venus Ebony Star Williams. She won the most goddamn money on tour in 2017. (laughs) And that's because she was consistently the best in the bigger tournaments that pay more money. Yeah. The year in number one, Simona Halep. Finally, one of those stories to watch throughout the, the year in 2017, well, won the changing of number one from many different hands to hand. Mm. (laughs) 
and Simona not being able to take her opportunity when she was presented with it. And she finally was able to. And then she keeps it for the end of November through to at least January. Yeah. So, I mean, she'll go down in the history books as a year-end number one. To finish off the episode, we're going to tell you who the the official WTA award winners were. Some of them will... Uh, what's the word? Uh, refute. <laughs> oh, really? And some of them will agree with or whatever, but, you know, just a general discussion about it to close the show. Player of the Year. I've already alluded to this, that I think that this is a, a kind of bullshit. Muguruza, she's your Player of the Year. Oh, um, I mean, I still stand by what I said. I, I think that Muguruza is the Player of the Year. Mm. And again, not a particularly strong one, uh, but... She won a major, and she won a big master. Well, not a master's, but a premier tournament in Cincinnati. So, I don't know. I, I still have her as player of the year. I think there's an argument for Wozniacki, for Venus, for maybe maybe even Svitolina, if you want to make that argument. Honestly, I'd give it to Wozniacki and Venus over mm. Muguruza. All right. Like, when you remember this year, what do you remember those players for having accomplished? And you really only remember Muguruza for doing two things. Yeah. And also the calamity of the French Open. <laughs> right? Those are the three things right, that you remember right, her for. Right. And in any other year, when, say, the results would have been less varied, where, say, Serena or somebody else would be more of a runaway number one, even if they didn't win a Grand Slam. Mm. Like, if there's more separation between the top players in the rankings, then it would have been less of an issue and more reasonable to not vote for Muguruza, right? right? But in addition to winning Wimbledon and uh, Cincinnati, she also is that close to number one as well. Right. You know, it aids her case. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I just can't sit here and think of her as the player of the year in retrospect right now. Okay. I just... The thing is, I can't pick Venus because she doesn't have a title. And... I think Wozniacki had to have had a few big, big splashes at majors. And that's it. I think, that's just my I opinion. think the argument of needing the big result and a win at a slam not works a, better. Not necessarily a win, but, okay. but a big result. Well, Venus had many of those big results. No, but she didn't win any titles. Okay. Wozniacki won titles and got to finals, so, but it was a performance at the majors. Yeah, it's like... The thing is, like, this year is a very challenging year to pick a player. It is. But if you're going to say that the not necessarily winning, winning a Grand Slam is not the be-all, end-all, like, I will take two Grand Slam finals and a semifinal and a year-end final over winning uh, Birmingham. Or Kuala Lumpur. Like, if Venus had won Kuala Lumpur, played and won Kuala Lumpur, and had those results, would she be year and would she would she be player of the year? I don't know. I, I, previously on, on, on other episodes, I've said that really it's maybe a, a player of the year by committee rather than one player. Right. And I still right. think that that's the better option. But if we had to pick one, I would not go with I mean, her. But like, who is who's forcing us to pick a player of the year? There's there's already a, a, a like a litigated player of the year through the points, and that's Simona Halep. But uh, nobody really believes that, right? No, absolutely no, not. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, but nobody's forcing us to pick one. So, doubles team of the year runaway: Letitia Chan and Martina Hingis. 
I yeah. mean, not even close. Most improved, Ostapenko. Can you really argue with that? Mm. Not really. No, I mean, you could say Sloan Stevens from, like, not being able to walk to winning the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open. Um, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, Ash Barty. we're talking about comebacks now, too. It, I don't want to get those confused, right? Well, most improved is is different from comeback. Yeah. I don't really, I never really understood most improved because I don't know what the baseline is supposed to be. Most improved typically goes to a young player who hasn't been around a mm. while. You know, somebody who's making that leap from yeah. outside the top 100 to whatever. So okay. in, in that instance, Ostapenko fits the bill. Though she was like 40s, I think, yeah, at the end yeah. of last year. I mean, let's give a shout to uh, to Sabalenka. Yeah. Uh, or Yulia Gurgis. I mean, she's been out here forever, but she's certainly improved this L- year. Less Yulia Gurgis, mm. more Ash Barty. Yeah. Like, in terms of a rankings jump, Mladenovic, she's definitely there. Mladenovic, uh, Garcia. There, I think there are a lot of people you could make that MIP argument for. MIP? MIP, that's what <laughs> well, it's called. Yeah, well, those are people who were ranked in the 20s and 30s before. You know, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Okay. Uh, newcomer of the year, CC Bellis. I mean, I feel like this yeah, could go to many people. I, this To me, this is best new artist at the Grammys. This is like, <laughs> best new artist is like, we just started paying attention to you, even though you may not be new, you know? She is new. She's not, though. I mean, she's been around for like, at most two years. Uh, didn't she make a big splash at the US Open like three years ago? Yeah, but that was before she had turned pro. Remember, there was this big... Uh, discussion about whether or not she should go to college or turn pro Mm -hmm. and she turned pro and it's turned out to be a good decision for her so far yeah i mean i'm still i'm still holding on bellas to be honest that's because she hasn't had the big high profile result Mm. but she's been steady all year to the tune of being a top 40 player at her age yeah that 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 is impressive you can't really argue with that necessarily it could be one of a bunch of people again Mm -hmm. and then comeback player of the year goes to sloan stevens yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could be mad about giving to Sloan. There, there's also Madison who had surgery in the spring. There's Petra Kvitova. There's Petra, obviously. Um, there's Ash Barty. There, there were a lot of comebacks this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could make the argument for Venus as comeback player yeah. of the year. Yeah, I mean, shit. I, I actually kind of forgot Petra when I said that. You yeah. Know, yeah, you can actually be you mad can. about giving to mm-hmm. Sloan when Petra came back from that horrifying because it wasn't just the injury it was the the mental trauma as well i mean sloan was using crutches for the first half of the year right. so i mean it is a big comeback what yeah. she did was a fairy tale just crazy stuff yeah and i mean there's really no reason to to compete for these awards like the competition is what you do on the court right these awards are just for they're not for the players. They're for journalists. They're for the WTA to market their sport. And listen, if you feel burnt about any of these results, these awards, the great Beyonce said, the best revenge is your paper. <laughs> so channel Miss Venus and Williams listen, and top that prize money list next year. And to close this 2017, Beyonce lost album of the year after turning out one of the great albums of the past 10 years. And what will go down in history as an important work of art, beyond music, of art. We, she lost it to a rehash of 21. We, we talked about this before. We did, but I want to bring it back. I want to remind people that these awards don't matter. 
Oh, well, fair enough. Well, we know this. Mariah has only five Grammys. Mm-hmm. That is a travesty. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> what are you wanting to close this show with? We're putting a wrap, mm-hmm. the final bow, on women's tennis in 2017. Do you feel satisfied with what happened in 2017? No. Because? Because I want Serena and Azarenka back. Okay. While... Did you enjoy the tennis in 2017? Mostly. Because you thought... Mostly. And I will remind you, you said multiple times when Serena announced her pregnancy mm-hmm. in March that the like tennis was done for you. Whoa, right. I felt like, okay, I guess I have to keep paying attention because I have a podcast. I even started taking resumes for the podcast. It was dramatic because, (laughs) of course, I did continue to pay attention to women's tennis. Venus saved your season. Venus saved, let's be real, Venus saved the season for so many people this year. That's true. And so many Serena fans who have been so one-sided in their love for Serena Mm -hmm. to the detriment and the neglect of Venus within that Williams family finally were given a path to open up in their heart room for Venus Williams. <laughs> and did she fill it this year? Uh, even the most hardened, miserable, nasty, just frigid person had to let Venus in this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to answer your question, like, was this my favorite WTA season ever? Certainly not. But that doesn't mean that there was a lack of storylines, a lack of quality play... Part of, part of my frustration is just from a, a fan perspective, right? But I do think that in a year when a few of the best players were sidelined, that we, we suffered a little bit. That's it. Okay. And I will close by saying, Venus, you're the real MVP. <laughs> Fuck all them other awards. <laughs> you are the MVP of the WTA season. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Well... Look out, I'm sure we'll do a WTA preview in uh, early 2018. Next up is going to be our ATP year in review. And uh, we haven't really talked about how we're going to do that. We'll probably structure it differently we'll, just for... Uh... No, we'll probably do it the exact really? same way. And we'll probably really? send out the questions on Sunday again. Oh my God. <laughs> May- Why don't well, we mix it up a little well, bit? Well, tell us how you enjoy the show. Do you want us to do it the same way? Either way, it's going to come to you next week. <laughs> <laughs> We, we may or may not use your responses. Point being, we haven't given it a lick of a thought. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's kind of a busy time, you know? Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for staying with us throughout the course of the year. To all the new listeners, thank, thanks for hopping on board. And we will make this plea again that if you have been listening and you enjoy the show, if you are new and you enjoy the show, let everybody else know. That's the one material way that you can help us. Share the podcast on your social media and give us a review on iTunes. These are the ways that you can help us most. And uh, while we appreciate the feedback on Twitter and we love that, we need that as well. We're going to be greedy. (laughs) Greedy and needy. Uh, As always, I'm Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at tennis underscore John. And I'm James at Elliot JMR. Two L's, two T's. The podcast is on Twitter at The Body Serve. And on Instagram mm-hmm. at The Body Serve. Till next time. <laughs>